may be seated. We are thankful for all of you being in the house of the Lord. And I know, um, as I said, I appreciate all of you that were able to be here and were part of our services while we were gone and helped and <clears throat> folks picked us up and got us there and got us back and <clears throat> we had a, a very good time we'll show a, some pictures I'm sure some have already posted them on uh, various forms of social media but um, we are <clears throat> glad to be home I know uh, we had, uh, it seems like, you know, there was a, uh, a, the trip is long going and coming. That's the drawback. If you could just teleport. Of course, I know that we uh, traveled much better than Paul and uh, others that traveled over some of that region. And we traveled much more efficiently. So, you know, it's all relative when you start thinking about some of those things, but uh, always good to be uh, home. And I appreciate the chorale singing today. I know we are growing apostolic legacy. And I'm going to preach a little bit about joy in spite of circumstances. And they were singing that you give me joy down deep in my soul. And the Bible is very clear. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. Our strength. And I know it may seem as um, kind of something that you can't anticipate how you can have joy in spite of the circumstances. But I am sure I um, was not, we were not here when uh, Ohio State um, <clears throat> lost to Michigan. And I'm sure there was not a lot of joy in the state for those that are Ohio State fans. And then I'm sure there were a lot of prayers going up Friday for the Utah team to beat USC, hoping to redeem Ohio State. And I didn't see the game. I didn't see uh, some of the games, any, most of them. I didn't see any of them this past weekend, obviously the weekend before. But I did um, <clears throat> uh, one place, time, look, and, and I saw all of these, I don't remember what game it was, but these kids and they were jumping and dancing and they were waiting for the final seconds to tick off in whatever game. And you know what they did? As soon as the gun sounded or the final play, anybody got any ideas what all these young folks did? They jumped the barriers and ran onto the field and were screaming and yelling and all of a sudden, there were more kids on the field than were in the stands, or young people. And I'm sure if you would have interviewed them, are all your grades A's? <laughs> Probably not too many would have said yes. Do you have any bills? Do you have any worries? Any troubles at home? Any things going on 
in your life, anything that's bills or things that are bothering you, I'm sure you would have found that there were a lot of things that they could have been sad and down about. But the one circumstance was their team was victorious. And right then that blocked out everything. We're here in the moment and let's climb this wall and scream and holler and I'm sure sprained ankles and <clears throat> horse throats and all kinds of things would occur. But there was joy. And <clears throat> so joy is a thing that we can embrace. And they sang part of this song this morning, and you all know it, uh, Joy to the World. How many have ever heard of that song before today? Sure. And we sing it at this time of year. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let her receive her king. It's not a Christmas carol, folks. Did you know that? This is not a, a Christmas carol. It wasn't written as a Christmas carol. It was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts, and it was inspired by Psalms 98, according to his own writings. He wrote it about the second coming of the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Jesus didn't come as the king. He was born in a little cave, in a stable. He wasn't king. Yes, the wise men brought frankincense and gold and myrrh, but he was not there to be crowned as king. In fact, when you read John's account, Luke's account, Mark, Matthew, the people cried Hosanna when Jesus came into the city, which means save us, save us. And you read it very carefully. John says that Jesus' response was, I'm going to die. And they go, that's not what we wanted. In fact, in John, the 12th chapter, and I was mentioning this in our meeting this morning, but in John, the 12th chapter, you read it very carefully because Jesus says, I'm not going to allow you to make me king. I'm not going to do what you think. And some Greeks came up to him and said, hey, we want to see him. We've got something to discuss. We'll take you as you are. You don't have to do the, all the dying thing. So now Jesus is faced. Do I go to Jerusalem or do I go with Athens and avoid all the stuff that I'm going to have to go through? And then he comes up with the verses, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die. And basically... He takes this route of suffering. But now he's not coming back that way. When his next coming, it will be, <clears throat> you know, 
the fields, the floods, the rocks, the hills, the plains are going to repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy that the king has come. That's when the ultimate joy comes. As those verses in this carol that we call a carol, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more thorns, no more, his blessings will flow far as the curse is found. The curse is broken. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Then he's going to rule the world with truth and grace and make the nations prove the nations, plural, prove the glories of his righteousness. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. This song was about the return of the Lord that we're looking forward to. It was not about, you know, the birth, although the birth was, of course, very joyous. And we know when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying for all of us and he was praying, you know, he said these words, now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that my, they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prayed for us to have joy. He said, in his moment of his suffering, he was praying for us to have joy. He said, I have given them thy word. The world hates them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that thou shouldest take, not take them, not, not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. In other words, I don't want them to avoid whatever it is they're going through. Don't take them out, but you would keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I sent them into the world. And now we know that. And of course, probably... The, I mentioned Wednesday night, I taught a lesson about victorious faith, and I read to you some of the verses, some of the many verses, where Paul talked about what he had gone through, the beatings, the scourgings. <clears throat> Five times he had received 39 stripes <clears throat> across his face, chest, back, three times beaten with rods on his feet to cripple him. One time he was stoned, left for dead. In fact, if you begin to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was named Saul. He was a Pharisee, studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He was zealous against these new followers of Christ. We saw the road that goes up to Damascus when we were in Israel and know that Somewhere along that road, Paul had a conversion experience, but before that, he had been there when Stephen was stoned, and he had letters to kill these early Jewish converts. He was converted. The bright light shone, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus. He goes back to Damascus, escapes to Arabia, and then Jerusalem, and he begins his missionary journeys with Barnabas. 
And finally, he gets into a conflict with Barnabas and splits over John Mark, who wanted to go back, and he travels with Silas. And you remember the famous story of Paul and Silas in jail. The city they were in was Philippi. Everybody say Philippi. And what happened in that jail? Midnight, they're singing and worshiping and joyful and rejoicing in spite of all this going on. And the angel walks in and throws the stocks off their feet and delivers them. Acts, the 16th chapter, you can read it, and it's a powerful deliverance. And the jailer is fixing to kill himself. And Paul stops him and says, don't, don't kill yourself. This is, we're all here. He becomes a convert, takes him to his house. And Paul teaches and Lydia is from that city and he starts a church there. Then he travels to other cities and go through Ephesus and all through Turkey and what was then called Asia Minor. And Paul is writing. He probably, one of the first books he wrote was the book of Galatians and he wrote that back to the church at Galatia. Then he writes First and Second Thessalonians, and then he writes the book of Romans and First and Second Corinthians. And then he's getting now older. He's on several missionary journeys, and all of a sudden he is jailed in Caesarea. We happen to have gone and saw the excavations, the aqueducts, and the, the theater where Paul, no doubt, preached and or had trial. And he ends up in a jail in Caesarea. And we saw those seaside community. He stays two years there. And then they decide that they can't deal with Paul. And so they ship him to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. You remember they started out late and he tries to tell them, don't leave now. Something bad will happen, and he gets involved in a thunderstorm, more than a thunderstorm, a typhoon, and it destroys the ship, and the angel speaks to him, and they tells him, and stay on the boat, and he lands in Crete, and then finally makes it to Rome, and guess what happens when he gets to Rome? Nero throws him in jail. It was kind of a, another place I... Many, many years ago, I went to Rome and they saw what was an area they said Paul could have been held, dungeon-like area. I don't know if that was true, but there it was in some of the ruins. And Paul kind of was given access to people because of the power of his ability to convert and what he had been through and just the power of his words. And he's there in jail for two years. And the converts at Philippi are concerned. They haven't heard from Paul. They don't know where Paul is. He's, they've read some letters. He had written uh, to Galatia where he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He had written to the Romans, and he said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. How? 
in the Holy Ghost. 15th chapter, now the God of all hope fill you with all joy. The God of all hope, that's a powerful word. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. I know that's, a, that's an amazing thing. We have so many people that are feeling hopeless and they feel helpless and we can't fight whether it's COVID, we can't fight what's going on in our economy. We can't, we have no way. What are we going to do? And yet here's this man saying, I want you to be filled with hope and filled with joy, filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Find peace and find all of that. And the saints at Philippi finally got together and sent Epaphroditus. And they said, Go and find where Paul is. We think he's in Rome, in jail. So they make their way to Rome, and Epaphroditus decides to interview Paul in jail in Rome. And it is the book of Philippians. That's what it is, the letter that Paul dictated while in jail to the Philippian church. And here's what he tells them. It's amazing. Philippians, the first chapter, 15th verse. He says, some indeed preach Christ, even out of envy and strife, some out of goodwill. Some preach Christ out of contention, sincere, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Others out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul tells them, I have people in the ministry, in the church, that don't like me. Now, we have a wonderful church family, you know, where your friends become your family and a lot of love. They love me enough to lead me into Euchredom and help me. Far as I know, everybody loves everybody. If you don't love everybody, well, I'm sorry. Forgive us. Forgive me. Because you should be full of the love of God. For God so loved say, well, I love the world, but I don't like him, and I don't like her. I know this time of year, you know, it's easy to get, I don't like Cousin Boudreaux or whomever comes to family dinner, but supposed to have the love of God, and yet Paul acknowledged, I have detractors, ministers, bodies of believers that some of them are, I'm, I'm concerned about their motives. Some of them are envious. Some of them are always causing problems. You know, there, there are people that enjoy stirring up problems. Not here, but they just like to stir the pot. Make everybody, well, did you hear what so-and-so said? Well, did you hear what that? I, I think you better know. Yeah. I'm not talking about trying to do it from a helpful sense or trying to be kind or nice or whatever, but trying to 
put out a fire, but some enjoy starting a fire. Not us, but anyway. Not out of goodwill, out of contention, not with sincerity. He said, those are the kind of folks that I know are all around me. Some have love, some have, and, and there's no wound like this, but yet Jesus went through this. Zechariah prophesied about the Messiah where he would say, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And the answer was, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. These same people that cried Hosanna to Jesus were going to be there and shout, give us Barabbas, crucify him. Boy, that's hard. Hard to take when somebody you thought was your buddy, they're cheering you on and then they all of a sudden turn against you. Probably never experienced that in life, but that was what Paul was going through. He talked about how here are people that I've preached the gospel to and that I've worked with and that I have all of this. He goes on, the 18th verse of Philippians. He said, what then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached and therein I do what? I, I what? Rejoice. Yeah, but they're not, they're not true, they're not pure, they're not whatever word you want to say. But he said, I'm taking the focus off of all of them and say, but Christ is preached. Therefore, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I do rejoice and I will rejoice. Future tense. What are you saying? Sometimes in the midst of whatever you're going through in order to have the joy that bubbles up, it's supposed to bubble up from down deep in your soul, you've got to get your eyes off of everybody else and what everybody else is doing or it, you'll get depressed. Maybe not you. But, you know, it, it, it can be overwhelming. And I, I have had, you know, people say, oh, man, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I don't even want to get up in the morning. Or I can say, you know what? The Lord is still on the throne. He's still, huh? What am I doing? At this moment, I've got the focus off of all of them, and I put the focus where it belongs. And I'm focusing on the one whom I can rejoice. And yet, I am sure they responded to him by saying, look, Paul, you're at the mercy of Nero. He could have you executed. So Paul, the next verse, 19th verse, you read what he says. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. <laughs> how, how do you have joy in spite of circumstances? You've got you've to be able to say like Paul, I know that this is going to turn into my salvation. This will 
turn into my salvation. I know this will turn to my salvation. Number one. Number two, through your prayer. Number three, through the supply of a spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Oh, what are you saying, Paul? He, he's, he's telling them. He is saying, guys, I know you're here, and you're worried about me, but I know. Actually, when he, when he said this phrase, I know this shall turn to my salvation, he was actually quoting from the book of Job, Job the 13th chapter. It's almost identical if you were to translate from Hebrew to Greek because Job said it like this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. What are you saying? <laughs> One way or another, I got a ticket out of here. One way or another, the Lord is going to take me home. I, you say, well, you, you may die. You may go in the right, I, but I'm going to tell you, I am so thankful that I know in whom I have believed and he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. You say, but how can you have joy in prison, possibly facing a death sentence? Because I know that my Lord is able to save. He is able to bring me through a fiery furnace. He is able to do anything Anything, if it's up to him, he is bigger than all my circumstances. He is bigger than everything I'm going through. And ultimately, I'm going to be saved. Yes, and that's the point. Yes. Simon Peter understood that when he made these statements, and it's in the word now for us. You know, I know Simon said it like this. Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But what? Rejoice. rejoice. <laughs> How do you rejoice in the midst of a fiery trial? There's joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, in so much as that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. He said, I know that through this, I know he is my salvation. If you want to make it through your circumstances, you've got to keep your mind focused on one thing, salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord. I'm leaving here one way or another, one way or another. I'm getting out of here, and I'm here to tell you that the Lord is the one that's going to punch my ticket, and you know, it's not people carrying me out. Brother Larry had already gone. Why? Because the Lord understands. He's the one that takes us from life 
life to life more abundant. I'm sorry. He is our salvation. The world is not. I, I love the Ohio State football team, but they're not my salvation. I can love the Republicans or the Democrats, but they are not my salvation. I love the United States of America, but that's not going to save me. When it's my time to go, the only thing that I know is a good old gospel ship that'll take me from here to the glory world. That's my salvation. That's why I can be glad with exceeding joy. And then he said, through your prayer, Paul believed in a praying church. He said, you guys have been praying for me. I've got people all over praying for me. I know some are mad. They don't like me. But the fact that I know i got some folks that are praying for me. He wrote in Romans before he ever dictated this letter to the church of the Philippi, book of Philippians, he said in Romans the 15th chapter, now I beseech you brethren for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God with me, for me. I know we give out a list and I, I could go bring you one from last month. We'll have a new one. And there's names there. Name after name. People call them and on Tuesday morning. Ladies are praying. Sister Britton told me about an individual that she had asked prayer for. And the Lord resolved the situation, took them home. It was terrible. What are you saying? We, we have names on there. I don't even know all of the names and don't know all the connections. And we try. We got a text this morning from Florida, a friend of Melissa's that is there who was been in our service and felt the presence of God and her friend is in, in very troubled and overwhelmed. Sent a text to Lele, please request prayer. We do our best to pray. And I know I, it's like, uh, okay, there's a long list of prayer. And we try to shorten it and give you a list because we, don't, we could take hours and read the list and read every notice. And we have a push notification and I, I, I understand you know a lot of transition and we're transitioning to a new program and if you don't have the app you can get it or talk to somebody if you want to be on it and we try to send a prayer alert and we try to be judicious about it we don't want you to have a thousand prayer alerts every day but you know what people know our church knows how to pray is it a blessing or is it a curse because we don't just send folded hands emoji? Huh? But people will call out a name, Lord Jesus, touch. They'll stop what they're doing. They'll say a prayer. You know what? Prayer works <laughs> through your prayer. Paul said, I pray that, you know what? I know people are praying that I be delivered and that I would come unto you with joy by the will of God and you may be refreshed. James also in the New Testament said, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if any have committed sins, let him be forgiven him. Confess your your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. So I don't know why they always call me. 
Why am I trying to do right? Everybody else lives like they want because somebody has got to be able to touch the hem of his garment. Somebody's got to be able to. You say, well, why don't they pray? I don't know. But he said, I know that through your prayer, the Lord is going to hear what's going on. Now, whether he chooses for me to live or die, I don't know. But the fact that you're praying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That's how much confidence he had in prayer. You know, and you may say, well, I don't understand why I, people were praying and so-and-so didn't, this didn't happen and that didn't happen. You know what? Then you have to know. Guess what? It was what the Lord wanted. Because that's what Paul was saying. If I know people are praying, then the outcome is irrelevant. I can rejoice right now. Then he said, through the supply of the Spirit of Christ. Now what is the supply of the Spirit of Jesus? Is the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's why Paul, when he talked to Timothy in 2 Timothy, what did he say? Timothy... Stir up that gift that was put on you by the laying on of hands. Why? Because that's resurrection power, folks. That's the power to get up out of the grave. Paul knew I'd been left for dead after being stoned, and they picked me up. Boom, I came back to life. Romans the 8th chapter, you, you remember the 28th verse, but read it, the 26th verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. If you ever not know not to pray for your kids and for your family, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Save them, kill them, drag them behind the tractor, Ultimately, I want them saved. Huh? You've never been there, maybe. Few of you have. He said, we don't even know how to pray. So you know what I have to do when I don't know what to pray? I have to get into a prayer meeting for me alone until, you know, whether it's a prayer shawl or whatever, I begin to stir up the Holy Ghost and I begin to pray through to the Spirit. And Paul said it like this, when the Spirit starts moving, it will start making intercession <laughs> with, oh, oh God, oh, I don't even know what to pray. And all of a sudden I start praying in tongues. All of a sudden, I don't even know what I'm praying. But guess what? The Spirit itself is making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you don't know the will of God, then it's time to pray in the Spirit. Lord, I don't know what your will is, but I'm praying. I know what I, my will is for the healing or my will is for the deliverance. But when you reach a point that the Holy Ghost begins to pray and you begin to grow 
groan and you begin to talk in tongues and you begin to let, and some of you, you know, we used to call that pleading the blood, reaching that point in the spirit where all of a sudden spirit to spirit, you say, well, I've never had that experience. Well, let me tell you, it's for you today. It doesn't, it wasn't just for Paul. Paul had it. You can have it here 2,000 years later. And then he says it like this. When you've been praying that way, what we know is all things work together for good to them who are that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. What are you saying? I am saying that if you want, you can have joy in the midst of whatever circumstance because as you begin to stir up the spirit and you begin to let the Holy Ghost flow and the groanings and the utterings. Oh, you see, he had, he had said in Romans the eighth chapter, for I reckon that the sufferings of this, of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. What are you saying? I am saying that in the midst of all of this, in spite of every circumstance, Paul told the church, he goes on, you can read this whole book, it's about joy, it's about rejoicing, it's about worshiping, it's about praising God. But he started off by this. He says, I have some things that I believe very strongly in. I believe very strongly in the word of God. I know, I know that God is able. I know that. Number two, I believe that there is, in fact, <clears throat> people that know how to pray. And number three, I believe that the Spirit, through the supply of the Spirit, everything, whether I live or whether I die, I am telling you, it is at this moment I can rejoice. And he gives me joy down deep in my soul. Corral, come back. I don't know. We need to sing. Y'all are all quiet. We're listening. Nobody wants to go through anything, nor do I. But there is joy in spite of circumstance. How? You press through. He said the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Even if it's just for this moment, on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we have church tonight. Whatever if it's just like standing on the edge of the football field, waiting to run on, waiting to rejoice. Oh, God, help us. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't act that way. Okay. If you've never had joy in your life, you're probably going to be very weak because the Bible's very clear. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why if just for a moment I clap my hands, I raise a hand, 
I rejoice a little bit. What are you doing? I don't know what I'm going to face this week. I don't know what's going to happen this next month. We're starting off December, wrapping up a year. Could I have known what all was going to happen? No, but I know who my salvation is. Huh? I know in whom I've believed. I know in whom I've committed my life. He gives me joy. Hallelujah. Let's stand.